Welcome to Six Again, your go-to rugby league podcast with hosts Adam Hoy and Jared Mooton. Let's kick off. Hello and welcome into the Six Again podcast. This is our wrap-up of round 11. We'll be looking at all eight games, a um, couple of controversial moments from the weekend that we'll be putting forward our opinions on because they matter so much. There's been a fair bunch of signings news, um, some immediate releases of players and some pretty disappointing injuries based on the teams that you support. Um, my name's Adam and I'm going to need this one to get through this episode, I think, especially when we get to talk about my Seagulls. How you doing, Jared? <laughs> yeah, good. Um the little one started childcare for the first today. Oh, nice! First time ever. First time childcare. She um done better than her mum, but we got through it. Oh, is it the same one that Clisha's working at? Yeah. So is Clisha still working, or would she come home She'll afterwards? She'll start work again in two weeks' time. So oh, so it was the separation, was it? Yeah. Uh... Did not like it. Was not a fan, but we got through it. Ali had a great day, and um, here we are. Yes, very nice. Um, sorry, just had to pop away from the mic for a second. got to get a glass for this one because it's a bit... Whoa, that's good stuff. Black Ops Chair Force One. Chair Coffee. Force One, eh? Coffee chocolate stout. Should be fun. All right, and this gloomy wet weather that we've got on the sunny coast. Um anything catch your eye over the weekend that you want to do a quick shout out to um excellent no Pembroke right now they're just this they brushed aside the roosters pretty easily actually yeah after we talked about half of a roosters chance yeah yeah no good on Pembroke if they lost that game against para and just came out and just ripped for everyone to come near him. There's, I think, it, I think a stat came out today that's 50 weeks in a row that Pembroke are in the top two of the ladder. That's wow, including impressive. the off season. That's amazing. 50 great. You're an idiot. So my pretty sure Broncos would be on the ladder, wouldn't they? He's like a 38 year old man. He's got the biggest cheekiest smile on his face right now. Jeez, don't add a few years on, mate. Only Not a few though. <laughs> um, what caught my eye? Lockie Miller's debut um, for the Sharks. So this is ex Rugby Sevens player getting his crack at fullback in the absence of Will Kennedy. Um, gave it a damn good crack. I'm not surprised in the slightest with his success because general Rugby Sevens players are some of the most well-rounded athletes in the football codes because they need to be able to do a bit of everything in that sport. And he has been lighting New South Wales Cup on fire and came in. Yeah, he was caught out of position maybe once or twice, but <laughs> he put on one of the best performances of a fullback this year outside of the real big names. And... Um, Tell you what, you talk about rugby sevens. Have a look at the Argentina versus England game today. There's controversy in that one. Hardcore. Oh, 15s or sevens? Sevens. Oh. I might check yeah. it out. All um, kinds of issues. Adam will actually enjoy this one. This one. Oh, yeah. It's the last of... two minutes of the game. 
Love a bit of controversy. And how, how's that one? I don't know if this is gonna if you're gonna be able to see it. It might be too bright. It. Got to. I can't see it. Trying to show my phone screen. I think it's uh, a bit too bright. Yeah, I finally got blocked by Buds Rothfield on Twitter. So I think <laughs> that means you're doing a good job. Yeah, it means I think that's a badge of honor. If you haven't been blocked by him or Gus Gould, you're not doing your job. Um, some of well, yeah, articles bringing the game into disrepute or something. I don't know. You should, all you have to do is give, give him a little bit of truth, and he's like, oh, "I can't see that." Yeah, can't see that. So let's um, let's go to tipping first, eh? So jump over oh, footytips.com.au, the 6N footy tipping comp sponsored by Hop Nation Brewing. And Newcastle, the bloody Knights cost me a full round. Uh, one half. Well, you of, Broncos last for Thursday, not Wednesday night. I did. I did. And then I overthought myself by saying, well, Reynolds isn't playing. But then I over overthought myself. I should have said, yeah, but the Knights guys haven't all played together in a few weeks. They're going to be sketchy. Anyway, um, four of us got seven out of eight. Myself, uh, Rocking Horse Road, Ben Liner, familiar name for those from last year, and Easy Rider 22, and then a whole bunch on six. So that picked us all up one point on the top two. Uh, Toby Hunt got a lowly score of six out of eight to stay on top of the comp on 80 points, four ahead of Reggie Sidestep, who also scored six. He's on 76 points. Uh, then there's myself, ESPN fan, 61553258 uh, are both on 74. And then a couple are on 73. So slightly tightening up at the top. Uh, still a long way to go. I'm coming after you, Toby. And over on the street competition, considering there's been a few upsets and people keep picking the sharks in this, um, no one has caught up to Cryptonostradamus still on a long line currently of eight and he has not even tipped in it since round seven um so he's still holding off all the other people that have tipped since then my streak is up to three and where's jared's one from the one time he tipped in round one look at that staying on the <laughs> ball ah talking about not on the ball our tips uh, sorry our value bets from the weekend again <laughs> If you're tipping us to be consistent, you'll be winning money because we lost everything again. Uh, Jared had $10 on Newcastle to win, Parramatta to win and kick out a score. Um, what, one of those three came to fruition? Yeah. Just. How, how did Pembroke score that many points and not fucking kick out score? Yeah. Um, Well-rounded, balanced team where multiple people can score. Uh, Nick's didn't even get close. He picked the wrong... St. George Dragon Centre. He had Sully to score any time and also Sully to score a double. Uh, Lomax actually scored the double, so he had the wrong side of the field there. And I'd say I came the closest. I had a multi with Cowboy Storm game to go 40-plus points, uh, which that was covered. I had Murray Tulungi to score any time, which was covered. And I had Justin Olam to score any time and... That keep me in the bucks. It's like Melbourne have just forgotten how to score points. Um, you know the cool thing about that is haven't scored and they haven't defended. So the last two weeks they've been absolutely destroyed, right? So uh, last week there was thirty-two to six, Pembroke won. Mm-hmm. This week there's thirty-six six. The technically Cowboys are four points better than the. They're Cowboys. still what 
positive 169 points when they lost yes. the combined nearly six uh, over 60 points in the last that's two incredible. weeks. That's that's fucking nuts. That's oh. and I I swear to God, I am. It's been a running theme this year that I'm getting absolutely sick of blockbusters being wrecked by injuries. So remember the, oh. the first the first shark storm one we got. It was still a good game, that one, but we had, what, four players ruled out? Then you had Storm, Penrith last week uh, with Pappenhausen and Hughes ruled out. And then now you've got Cowboys coming up against Penrith. Cowboys in the form that they are. should be a cracker. And you got Felt and Tamalolo missing out. And you're like, oh, man. I was really looking forward to the Battle of Tamalolo versus Yao because they're completely different styles of lock and both are in pretty decent form. Um but yeah, I just would love both teams to be as close to full strength. Yeah, that's not a, gonna happen. Maybe later in the year. Rugby league, though. That's rugby league. The team with the best depth, the most well-trained drill squad, the teams are doing better. So I like that. So that's the point of the salary cap. Yes, I've got a theory about that later. I don't know if it's a theory as such, but yeah. I don't know where to I have a theory. Up. I have a theory that when Anthony Milford done his suspension yeah. and Newcastle signed him, they definitely backed that. They definitely put 40 suspensions so he could return games against Broncos. <laughs> they hunted. It's just too easy. It was like a, it was like a four game suspension. Arbitrary. Like it's a weird number. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, that stuff. Who was it the other time had was making a club debut? Oh, Cody Nicarima. His first game was straight against the Warriors. Um, yeah, yeah, but that's that's a midweek sign. This is the NRL suspended him for an arbitrary amount of weeks because those programs can go. He started that, you know, way earlier. Yeah, but nights enough. He finished it. Oh, yeah, I get that, but I'm saying it, it's definitely it's definitely something that was planned. I reckon. Um. That was like salary cap wise, and this sounds so matter of fact and duh. But yeah, you know, we talk about the storm doing so well of turning average players into better players and all that sort of stuff. That's all well and good within the salary cap, but unless you have elite players as well in key positions, it doesn't matter how well you balance out the salary cap for the rest of the team, you're not going to win. And yeah, wait, wait, if hold you, up, hold up. I, I get you, that. If your club doesn't possess the key talent, like the elite talent in the key positions, you won't win the comp. Yeah, but no, I get that. But the top two teams right now, Pembroke for Melbourne, develop that talent. Yes. So these guys debuted when the elite talent was well, for Melbourne, especially. Yeah, but the, the, the point's still there. You take, it, as soon as you take the elite they, talent out of the team, they're a completely. Yeah, no, that that's right. But in saying that too, like the the great thing about Melbourne and Pembroke right now is they made that elite talent, mm-hmm. so they, they deserve them to deserve for them to be there. Yeah, and I'm saying like yeah, they're like the elite talent. It's not like they bought a team like it's not like they bought a team like Newcastle and they still can't fucking win. Yes. So and and I think it was like two weeks ago. You were downplaying Pappenhausen not being there, and then obviously it was compounded with Hughes. Um, but it's amazing. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I just like because other people were saying it as well. Because you look at the odds for Cowboys over the weekend, they were 265 to win, 
with Pappenhausen out, when Hughes came out, they had only dropped to 245. So it shows how much that teams can be overvalued based on one or two players. Yeah, look, um, oh, no, no one would have predicted, like, sorry, Adam did, 40 points in Cowboys, but by me saying that, which, you know, I'm going to admit I was wrong, but by, by me saying that, it, history backs me up. Yeah, that's what I mean. I don't, I don't, when when I'm saying you're wrong, I'm not calling you out for being wrong. It's just, it was mentioned. A little bit. Um, a little bit. But... Because this is the like, second time you've done it in three days. Because you said yeah, but it's for a specific a point chat. this time. This isn't just for fun <laughs> and throwing you under the bus, which is also fun. You can either develop the key ta- the elite talent or you have to buy it. And if you don't have it either way, you're not going to win the comp no matter how balanced the rest of your team is. Because you take, if you took Cleary and Yo out for an extended period of time, three, two, three weeks, they're a bottom of the top eight side because the rest of their side's still well enough to balance to stay in the top eight. You take Reynolds and Huss out of the Broncos, you've got a bottom eight side. Um, you take Turbo and DC out of Manly, you've got a bottom four side. Um, no matter how well constructed the rest of the roster is. So it's it really shows the impact these elite players have on the team. And I think, I, I guess we got to this from... It was commentators or people on social media calling, like, I had a rant on the weekend with Jared about... Um, that went for a few hours, you know? That's good. Wally was, uh, I think Wally was sitting there... Oh, not the manly stuff. In. Not the manly stuff. The, um, <laughs> the, the fact that I saw a tweet on... Uh, I can't remember what the, the start of the topic was, but how players are called superstars so quickly. Oh, it was the Ash Taylor stuff. That's what it was. And compared to players like Johns and Lockyer, and this is a point of view in that how quickly people forget how good those players were. And I think it comes out, we take for granted when they're actually playing the game, how good they are. So you get to the next generation of players and they're not even in the same, stratosphere is probably the wrong word. What's the word I'm trying trying to look for? Level? Yeah, level, caliber. They're not even close. And we're going through, I was going through the entire league and saying, how many players playing currently do you think could get to that level? Your Billy Slater level, your Cameron Smith, your Thurston, your Johns, your Lockyer. Who in the comp right now do we did we end up saying could have a chance to get to that level? Travoyevich, definitely. See, I ruled out Travoyevich. Oh, just because he's injured. But, yeah. Um, and that's a huge oh, Andrew, factor. But see, the thing about it is Andrew Johns sat out about three years of his career as well. Yeah, but so he... the exact same things about him. And he... Yeah, he... Same things. Um, yeah, but the difference is we're not at the end of Trebojevic's career. And with his injury history this much this early, who knows how long the career is going to be. Yeah. It could end up being um, like a Brett Stewart. Cle- Cleary has the potential. Yeah. Um. I think we came up with, what, three names? Tamalolo. Tamalolo does in the Fords. Haas does in the Fords. He has potential. Yep. Tedesco can. Um, I think I think he's the closest in the NRL to that level. Yeah. Uh, Roger Tulvastashek, if he stayed around, definitely would be. Um, I, yeah, he's that good. I, I put him in that level. Um, Harry Grant does. Uh, That's yeah, a bit. There is a few. And what my point was, was when Johns retired, 
had Thurston, Cam Smith, Cooper Cronk, and Billy Slater were probably the top four. Uh, if we have this conversation, yeah, probably then. 2009, 2010. Oh, was obviously stuff. still playing. He retired in 2011, didn't he? Yeah. So he was he was he was already talked about. So yeah, he true. was at Tedesco in this conversation. Mm-hmm. In 2009, 10, 11, we were we if we were having this conversation, we'd probably be throwing those blokes out. But in saying that too, we wouldn't we would also say, do they have the potential to get up to what back then it would have been John's Lockyer, of course, uh Fitler. Yeah. Um probably it'll be interesting having a look- his best hooker, but Kevin Smith made like stratosphered the shit out of Danny yeah. Beard's body in his career. He made it a new level. Yeah. Yeah. So we're talking Which about Danny Beard and Kevin Walters just sort of players. So Hall of Fame and rugby league is not celebrated really at all. A mortal status is, but Hall of Fame, most people wouldn't even be able to write lots out of people cr- in there. Out of Cronk, Slater, Thurston, and Smith, I say probably two of them get the mortal status. Um. How long and do you have? Probably, you get three, three nominations? You get three nominations. Lockie is at his last one. But no, um, Crop, unless the NRL, because the NRL is taking over this, so he could become completely commercial now because they inducted six at the last fucking thing. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's almost breaking that not a big of a deal. I, I think it needs to be that clear distinction between Immortal and Hall of Fame. Otherwise, you yeah, but that's Hall my point. Of like, out of Cronk, like, Cronk, Smith, Slater, and Thurston. I wouldn't throw Inglis in there. Um, probably two of them, immortal status. And that's definitely Smith and a battle between Cronk and Thurston, I'd say. Um, no, nah, I don't think he'll get immortal status. Over over Cronk, Thurston, or Smith, no. Well, Smith, Smith's um, first ballot, no worries. Yeah, for, for Smith no, will... No that's conversation. Out of those four, I, I reckon... Krog and Thurston are finding it out over the second spot. I don't think Slater will. I think Slater is the, the high echelon. Nathan Hyde. See, I, 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 no, I, I look more at it. If you're looking at halfbacks and you're talking, ooh, Kronk or Thurston, and Johns is already in there, um, they're all within that same sort of like minute differential. Slater's so far above the rest at his position and has been, and there's still no one in this league that's going to, on this pace, I'd have to check Tedesco's stats, but on this pace to even compare, he's so far above the rest of his competition no, in that The thing about position. it is Slater couldn't have done what he done without Smith and Kronk. And you no say the other way around. Done, no one could have done what um, Kronk, Kronk did with those three premierships at two different clubs in a row. Sure, good. Look at this and George team of like 11 years in a row. You could say they could not. No, well, that's different. That's when there's no salary cap and there's like, they're still doing horses. Players are always reliant, almost always reliant on their teammates. Nah, well. look, it, it's a conversation that we could have for years and years and years until it actually gets thing. Yeah. But I think it was look, funny how we got onto this based on who we think in the car. I think what we said on Tedesco is the closest. Um, Cleary's got potential to do it. Joey Manu may. But I just still nah. don't think he's dominated the game like Inglis did in that position when he was at his Yeah, peak. and I don't I wouldn't put Inglis in immortal status either. Um I wouldn't. Nah. Well Meninga's there and Inglis has outdone all his records. So Meninga Meninga was a was a what's the word? He he was a trailblazer though. 
what he did. He can't take and that into account. No, you can because it's what happens on the field. And All right, if you're saying trailblazer, then Slater's the first ballot because how many rules have changed <laughs> literally to keep him out of the game? Yeah, I, I don't know. So keep him uh, in the game. I, I put Meninga ahead of England. Actually, I, I put English maximum Hall of Fame. I don't even put him in the conversation. So. Oh, I think you're completely underselling him. He's the best no, center I've ever no. seen in my entire history of watching the game. You never watched Meninga. Meninga is the first player I ever remember he, watching. You were born in his nickname, and his he nickname was Tree like, Trunks. What, 91? They didn't retire he that. He re- now Meninga. They can't have, because I remember watching him on the couch with mum going, Tree Trunks is on TV. <laughs> That was his name. Um, and obviously his captaincy record and all the international tours and all that, which we don't do anymore, unfortunately. So really. you were six. You retired yeah, in 94. Same. And then obviously you have to go back and watch historical matches and all that sort of stuff. But anyway, so same. I'm sick of people Probably throwing around the names. Four years. Superstar and comparing it to those sort of players. And you're like, Compare him to players like who'd be a good comparison of yesteryear? For what? I don't know, like For these what? superstar outside backs, or when they're throwing that sort of name around to um, what immortal for, status? Or no, or God, no, status? I'm just saying, I'm sick of them comparing them to players like those that are in the Hall of Fame and in immortal status when they've played. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Heidi they, uh, actually gets quite fucking serious about it. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's insulting, I think, to those players, honestly. Yeah. That was, a, that was 20 minutes we'll never get back, though. That yeah, was good fun. Um, anyway, let's talk about stuff that's actually happened. The PNG Hunters, who have been based out of the Gold Coast for the last two years because of COVID, etc., have locked in an alliance with a new NRL outfit, the Dolphins. Now, this happened, I think, about a week ago. I just forgot to put it up on the last show. Yeah, May 19. Um, this came out. So what it basically means is it's a partnership that provides a direct pathway from PNG talent into the NRL. So they've already got the Q Cup side and we've seen players have been picked up through that. Uh, Justin Olam being the most famous example of that. However, this is probably the first official uh, partnership. So with the Dolphins joined in 2023, it means four Papua New Guinean players will be invited for their full pre-season training uh, schedule, schedule, sorry, with two staying on for the entire year to push for NRL selection. So to me, that means I'll be in the top 30 uh, squad for the Dolphins, uh, which is, this is huge. It, it, it makes too much sense for it not to have happened um, or, or not to happen going into the future. Now it has. And so hopefully we can see players out of PNG join the likes of Olam, Xavier Coates, Alex Johnson, uh, Lockie Lamb, David Mead of players that have Papua New Guinean heritage. So huge news, um, mostly negative press, I guess, around the Dolphins. Um, why not? Maybe not negative, maybe lackluster. This is a really... Br- this is probably the most bright, uh, most positive story they've had, and that's probably why it's not being talked about much. Uh, so, good work between the two clubs. It's definitely a country that's so well known in rugby league. But the only country in the world where rugby league is a national sport. But it's so untapped potential. In it. Oh yeah, 
Like, they, they are some of the hardest rugby league players in the world. Those, oh, fucking hell. And then well, those oh, games let me down this week. Uh, all right. A player who has had a very interesting year, to say the least, Chanel Harris-Tavita, will be taking a break from rugby league at the end of the 2022 season. And it, it's mainly along the lines of, while he is living his dream of being an NRL player, so it's a dream he's had as a kid, he's just not enjoying it. And if the rest of us are in a workplace and we're not enjoying, we do look for alternatives, even if it is for a short period of time. Uh, he's made 44 NRL appearances, and I think we could both agree he's never, he hasn't reached his potential, especially with consistency. There's been flashes of what this kid can do, but the hardest thing in this league is doing it consistently. And we've seen that time and time again with youngsters coming through, having an awesome first season, falling apart in the second year, players coming from the UK, looking like world beaters over there, trying to come here and do it. And it's been more failure than success, especially in the backs. What I really appreciate what he said towards the end was, this has been publicised because the Warriors have been trying to ink him to a new deal and he's been he's rejected the deal. And he's admitted to saying he was trying to delay the contract decision. He said, deep down, I knew that I didn't want to sign another contract. But he was trying to hide that feeling from everyone else, including himself. And then he finished with, I said to myself, am I going to grow some balls and make this decision now or am I just going to keep everyone else happy? That's funnier now because he lost one of his nuts, what, two weeks ago, unfortunately. Um, so he literally said that tongue-in-cheek. But, yeah, good on him for standing up for himself. Um, the Warriors wanted time to a two-year contract moving forward, so they obviously value him and believe in what he can do. But he's putting his own well-being well, and enjoyment first, which I don't think can be understated in the slightest. Yeah, good on him. Um, you know, he he's putting his mental health and happiness first. Um, a lot of people don't, can't, won't do that, especially in the position he's in. He literally gets to travel around Australia playing rugby league. But um, what 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 I hope he does, and obviously this is entirely up to him, goes to a job, plays local park footy for a local team finds his love for the game again, and then comes back. Or if he wants, just stay working for the rest of his life. Like, he, he, he's obviously already lived his dream. And what he could have done, in which you could have a conversation about a few people in the history of the last 10 years, have just not loved what they're doing, not putting their passion into it, and just received the paycheck. And sometimes you can see that come through in their performance, which is sometimes very disappointing. But on the other hand, you, you know, they're doing a job. What's the old mate? What's his name from AFL? The Dane Swan? Sure. Came out and said he fucking hated playing AFL all his life. It was just a paycheck for him. He's one of the greatest AFL players ever. No, like, he's not. Don't, no. don't. Not for one of you. I don't give a shit. Point is that... This kid's done what he wanted to do. And so we, most, we applaud him for that. I guess the biggest success story of this sort of thing is Jamie Lyon. When he when he um oh, got a lot of success early, 
uh, with Parramatta in New South Wales. And he pretty much just out of nowhere left and went bush and then rocked up in the Super League for a bit and then came back to Manly and was a lot more grounded and, and said that he just needed a break. He wasn't coping with it all coming from the bush and, and all that sort of stuff. And that's obviously the, probably the most successful story about it, but along the same sort of lines. Uh, jumping over to NRLW, and Tamika Upton has spoken about the reasons why she has signed with Newcastle for the second NRLW season this year. She said this a change of club wasn't on her radar whatsoever, and it wasn't until Newcastle actually approached her after the semi-final loss and said, we've got interest in signing you. She said that she's very settled in Brisbane and Queensland, um, and she hadn't thought about it at all. But anyway, Newcastle flew her down. She spent a twenty. Uh, she spent twenty minutes in a video session with Blake Green, Adam O'Brien, chats with Danny Vadiris, Kaylin Ponga um, about what the club's about, why they wanted to sign her, and she left. What she said, she left Newcastle, thinking that for me to take my game to the next level this is the club that I need to be at. And if that's not an endorsement for what they're doing behind the scenes at the club or in their football program, I don't know what is. Uh, she said, oh, where's the actual quote here? I'm at a stage where I want to play my best footy and what I experienced at the club doing video, chatting to people around the club, I think it's going to be big for my development. That stuff is a big pull for me. Everyone wants to get better and learn. Now, if you're a Knights fan, NRLW or NRL, that should be music to your ears. I'm going to get Jared's opinion on this in a moment. Uh, she also ensured that she distanced herself from Millie Boyle. Even though they're housemates in Brisbane, um, Millie had since moved down to live with her partner, Adam Elliott, down in Canberra. And the decisions were made separately. Millie had already made her mind up to go down there because it's closer to that. Adam, this was a completely separate decision. And what's also important is, Adam, eh? yeah, her and Boyle are <laughs> two marquee signings for Newcastle. So their marquee. salary, so their Jesus. salaries count outside the $350,000 salary cap, uh, which is something that I'd love the NRL to actually consider. But anyway, so their salaries, yeah, won't go into the salary cap whatsoever for the rest of the team, which is awesome. And supposedly there's plans to sign several uh, premiership winning players, uh, especially from the Roosters, to come back to their home area of the Hunter. Good so exciting on. times um, for NRLW Newcastle fans. New, New, Newcastle are <laughs> essentially doing what they do for them. Every club does for the men. They treated the girls. They didn't just ring them up and go, "Hey, you want to play?" They actually they flew them down, done the video sessions, told them how they could be better, met and you know met. Well, Danny just Deere told them, "You're shit now, but we'll make it better." Yeah, yeah like you know, that, and it it it's it's a fantastic step, and what it does is put on put the rest of the clubs on notice and go, "This is how Newcastle recruiting." We picked up the Australian fullback in the current Dalian winner of the year. This is how we're going to go about it, and this is how we're going to win in the women's comp. And it's not the only Broncos player that's left as well. So, 
Yeah, and, and if you guys aren't going to follow what we're doing, you guys aren't going to you guys aren't going to get the quality player we are. So, um, and you know what? I'm pretty sure either Jess Sergis or what's the other one's name? Isabel uh, Kelly. Isabel Kelly. One of them are from Newcastle too. So keep like, an Isabel eye. Kelly keep is an from eye Northern there. Beaches. So that'd be oh, Sergis, from Manly. Yeah. Yeah, so what, there is a few Duh. international players coming um, in, in, out of the Hunter, which is the same for the men's, but Century Newcastle was the first step in making their recruitment first class. Good on them. Really good. Uh, I know it's... Actually, I think it would be maybe worrying signs for the Broncos because not only have you lost those two, but they've also lost their starting hooker in Lauren Brown who has signed on with the Gold Coast Titans and been the first signing of new head coach, Karen Murphy. So Brown joined the Broncos in 2020, playing 10 games uh, for that team. And this comes off the back of the Titans re-signing Seth Hancock and Jessica Elliston, who was their uh, player of the season for their first campaign. So Titans doing some good stuff there as well. Um, All right, we're going to have a... I'm going to take a first quick break here and then come back and uh, finish off with the NRL signings. Uh, We're going to look at the controversial points from the weekend, especially in the Broncos and Knights game, and look at suspensions and injuries. All right. So should we look at the departures first in the NRL before we look at signings? Does it make more sense? Sure. So Thomas McKayley has been released immediately from the West Tigers in his contract in order to take up a deal with Warrington in the Super League. I'm a bit disappointed by this one. I think McKayley has more to offer than what we've seen. It just has not been either developed correctly or had the time put into him or he just hasn't translated the development into performances in the NRL level because I think he's one of the young forwards props that have really shown has really shown talent but obviously things weren't working out at the Tigers and he has yeah jumped way north and he will be joined there at the end of the year by Matt Dufty who's been who will not be re-signed by the Bulldogs he'll be taking up a deal with Warrington also whose representatives reached out to him during Magic Round and has signed him on what I believe a two-year deal. Uh, as yeah, well. I, we had a bit of a conversation with Bob about this. Um, when he originally got let go by the Dragons, I think you and I questioned it. Like he was the only one having a crack, only one attacking. But there was always that question mark about what was happening. And I said this afternoon on the chat. I just sort of think you know you, you very rarely question a player's attitude or Oh, sorry, an attitude, personality. Um, because we don't know. We just can mm-hmm. we can only determine what they say in interviews and what they do on the field. But it's it's interesting me for the Bulldogs because they're in a salary crap struggle. Salary right crap. Now. I like that. Yeah, yeah, literally. They are they don't have any other fullbacks in their top 30. Um Corey Allen. Okay, no, no other fullbacks <laughs> with the experience of Matt Dufty. 
No, no. Oh, yeah. What I'm saying is that they've got Dufty on a cheap deal. Yeah. Um, because they got him cheap. It's not going to put a dent in the fuck up that is their salary cap. Getting rid of this bloke. Didn't they just get up, get out of a fuck up of a salary cap? Yeah, but it, it's it's cooked now because they threw like millions of dollars at, at a car pangai and fucking yeah. kick out with Mark. Hi, Ali. <laughs> can hear in the background she's yeah. she's doing a nightly traditional sleep sleep routine trying to fight it but because he's on so such low money is he causing issues within the club that's not even prepared for him to have him in um reserve grade adam's losing his shit because ali is losing his shit um, usually the podcast <laughs> i listen to with ice hockey it's the fella's dog like barking in the background or smashing into the door i think it's the first one i've had with like a, a bubba screaming in the background um yeah so I, i'm trying to figure out as to why bulldogs feel like they need to release someone who has the experience he has um has the attacking flair he has on such cheap money well what did they say they between now and the end of 2024 it's going to be a clean out of up to 25 contracts uh don't know how that works when they've got 10 signed past there or whatever they've got at the moment. Yeah, interesting. Um, this kind of links into another player that will be leaving Belmore and supposedly had four clubs chasing his signature and supposedly the Knights has have won the race out of these four clubs and that is Jack Hetherington, supposedly, supposedly uh, that I'm sure Jared will be excited about. I'm not going to rub anything in because Matt Lodge still hasn't signed and supposedly he's bought a house in the Northern Beaches. Yeah, look, um, I... And I don't want him. Has there ever been a player who's off contract that not every single fan base is going, <laughs> please not us, please not us, please not us? Yeah. Well, yeah, there, there's a lot of controversy about it. That's Jack Everington. Like, we, I think we had a conversation about him about a month ago. How much potential that bloke has? Oh, uh, like, it was a lot longer ago than that. Yeah, like, oh, he, he's quick. He's a monster. Like, he, what's 6.68, yeah. I reckon? Um, he's got the lot. He's got yeah. He's he's yeah. Reminds me of Liam Knight, and I'm glad that he left Manly. And (laughs) point is, point is, if he can be a player in the team that he can be like, you know, Adam O'Brien learnt off Robinson and Bellamy. If he can get the best out of this bloke, he could be a very strong cheap buy. Um, but in saying that too, in the what, two and a half years under O'Brien's there, I wouldn't say that many players have flourished underneath him. Like, I think so, Jack Hetherington's highest, his ceiling, the best that he can be, would be a Jarrah Warrior Hargraves light. A highly dynamic, aggressive forward that's always going to live on the edge and will go over it at times. But you can accept that based on the outcomes um, yeah, look, you get on the he, field and the leadership he brings. That's his yeah, ceiling like he, would be a light version. He was at Penrith. Or he, he got brought over from Penrith to Bulldogs by Barrett. And I'm, I, all I can hope for that is that him having Clemmer and Frizzell in the squad, like very experienced players. Yeah, hold on can, to Clemmer. Isn't he in his last year? Yeah, he's still got next year as well. Okay. 
I hope they've he's been playing real well for us. Yeah, his numbers have been yeah. But no, like Henry can can thrive under the right circumstances, I believe, but you've got to get the right circumstances. You gotta put it put the right people around him. And if you can control him, he can be just as damaging as any player in the game, really, yeah. on his day. Can be. That's a lot of ifs. But we'll oh, see. I know. It's a it's a risky buy, but it, it could be good if not fucking yeah, is it? If you get him on the cheap. All right. So to put the end of speculation, the Dragons have re-signed Jack Bird till the end of 2024. Uh, he's joined. He joined Dragons in 2021. Obviously, after that ill-fated stint up at Brisbane. So we believe it's in the vicinity of 550k a season. Um, for 550. That sounds a bit more like second row money than five eight money. But in saying that, I, I don't think they would have been signing Jack Bird to a five eight contract with the future mindset of him being the five eight for the next three, four, five years. Yeah, I think look, there's enough got, youngsters there to fill that. Yeah, they've got Hunt there who's got a mortgage on the seven. Um, and there's Sullivan and Amone calling for the sixth jersey. Um, all I've got to say about that, Sullivan really hasn't had a crack this year. Amono definitely hasn't made it his own. The best the Dragons have you played mean, all year. Sorry, sorry, you mean Sullivan hasn't been... Like, he's had a crack while he's played, but he hasn't been given a crack at the 5-8 jersey. That's what you mean. No, he's been put a hooker off the bench. Yeah, I um, know, but how, how you said it was like he's not actually having a crack. Well, like, no, he's oh, definitely yeah, having sorry, a crack he's playing. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely showing play. I just don't know why he's not getting the sixth jersey. But my yeah. point is that when Dragons have played well, won that two or three on the trot, I think, midway about. Yeah, five, Bird was at five, seven. eight. Bird was a six. Yeah. And he, him and I questioned it when it first happened um, because he really suffered there a few times when the people moved him in six. They know his potential, but mm-hmm. he, he doesn't deliver on the field as much as he. But this, he, he worked. Seamlessly with Hunt, um, had M by at fullback, and probably the most not the most attacking flairy team um, in the spine, but definitely the most consistent, strong defensively, and they look better. But as you said, they, he probably won't be going playing six. I just didn't. I just didn't hate it. What if? What if I six. throw this one at you? If McCulloch's back, or when McCulloch's back. Um, considering he's got no offensive instinct in his entire body and all he does is tackle. If McCulloch's playing a dummy half, would you consider throwing um, Bird at lock and giving him a bit more of a roving role around the middle of the field oh, look, uh, there's, with, there's, with, there's, less of, with less of a defensive load because McCulloch can cover it? Uh, uh, so that no, way he gets no, his hands on the ball. Gets his hands on the ball as a 5 If that's their style. I, don't, I, don't, I just don't know. Um, all I know is I really liked him there. Yeah, like really, really like him there, and he's just on the edge, calling the ball when he wanted to. Um, shoved the ball to Suli, shoved the ball to Lomax when he needed to because he swapped both sides. Um, Screw it, get him a, fit, put him at fullback. Done. He's got a kicking game too, like which I didn't mind either. Now, I love this signing. Um, probably the best pommy outside back that we've seen. Uh, in quite a while, Herbie Farnworth has signed a one-year contract extension. I don't think that counts because he's been at the Broncos since he was 15. Um, but he's a pommy. Um, good for the club. Hey, new boy. Uh, this is a better... Every time there's a one-year signing, um, to me, that's in the club's favour. 
because it allows them to reevaluate. It's a one-year extension, sorry, I should say, uh, to the end of 2023. It's it to the end of next season. Uh, I really like this kid. There's definitely parts of his game he needs to work on. And I think he does drift in and out of games. He's one of the centers I think can look for the ball more. Um, and I, I see him as one of the players that could really benefit from, I wouldn't say modeling on Justin Hodges' game, but the ability to get into dummy half and use that as a weapon. Not, not the same way Hodges did with regards to his one-hand fan that he was uh, made his own, but his pace off the mark, I think he could get in and around the rack a bit more. Sorry? How else do you do a fend? You can't really do a two-arm two fend. Yeah, true. Uh, <laughs> so how are you going to just drop the ball on the ground, fend it, pick it up and keep going? Oh, it depends. Yeah, you can fend with both elbows into the tackle. <laughs> uh, yeah, good signing there for the Bronx. I really like this Massive one as time. well. Um, so Warriors have picked up Dynamis Louie for the rest of the season to replace yeah. Matt Lodge. And we talked about this earlier in the year, I think, that Louie had signed on with the... Redcliffe Dolphins Q Cup side for the rest of this season before uh, being part of the Dolphins squad next season. So this will just be for the rest of this year. Uh, great to see Louis back in the NRL. And now this one I found really interesting. Brendan Frey may be a name that some of you will remember. Oh, geez, that brings back memories, eh? He played in the junior and lower grades for the Roosters and the Broncos. North Queensland have picked him up. He's a back rower, which is not a position they're short on at the moment, uh, with the likes of Lukey, uh, Gilbert, obviously Tamalolo, Nanai, uh, Condon, who we haven't seen in a little while uh, because of how well the other guys are playing. But he signed off for the remainder of the 2022 season and has always definitely been a talented player, but... To me, he's been a victim of opportunity and not getting it. Seems to be an odd place to go for this, but his uh, performances for the uh, Townsville Blackhawks, sorry, North Devils in the Q Cup have been really good, supposedly, and Cowboys literally taken a flyer on him. So, yeah, interesting to see where that one goes. Yeah, massive signing. He definitely did play. He kind of reminds me, I don't know how many people would know him, but Luke Page. Yeah, played for um, everyone. South Logan, South Logan. Ah, either way, he played for a few teams. Played in New South Wales Cup for a bit too. Yeah, and he was the PNG front rower. He was he was a little bucket, little bucket. He he was like he was short, and he was just stocky, and he just ran all day, man. He was seventy, close to 70 minute prop. And for the life of me, when you had. Well, teams like Manly right now who are really short on up front. I know he's retired, but for some reason, this bloke never got picked up by an NRL squad. Yeah, 186 centimetres. Yeah. Look, he I was short was for... Short. Yeah, he, he had that little thing on top of his head which gave him yeah. an extra five centimetres. He did play for the Gold Coast and the Raiders, like one or two games each. Yeah, Crazy. look, he, he, he had... He, he was... He, yeah, I know, like, I know what you're saying. He was like the like when he retired. He was that level, but Q Cup. Like he was that. He was regarded the same level in Q as Patrick was in the NRL. Just an absolute war horse who just ran all day, tackled all day, and you knew if you were near him, you're going to get hurt in some way or the other. 
Um, and he probably used as much tape as Petro Seven Deceiver as well. It was a Petro Seven Deceiver of Q Cup, let's put it that way. Oh, yeah. And I just don't know why he didn't get picked up. It was really weird. And Brendan Frey's another one of those blokes. It's really weird that he's not getting picked up in the well, he has been picked up. What's so he we'll like 27 or 28 or something? I don't think he's that old. You can look it up while I go through the next ones. Uh, Jack Williams and Brandon Hamanuele have both signed contract extensions with the Sharks until the end of the 2024 season. So ULA has been at the Sharks since 2018 after playing one game for the Cowboys in 2017 as a trivia question. Uh, Williams has played 73 games for Cronulla since they've been in the same year, 2017. Mike Acevo will remain with Parramatta till the end of 2023 after exercising an option in his contract. He's 26. Oh, okay, there you go. He's a little bit, a little bit older than I thought. Um, all right, let's do let's do hard hits now. We'll do judiciary and injuries, and we'll leave the controversy to the games individually. So, judiciary report, uh, pretty quiet this week, which is nice. Uh, Jared Warrior Hargraves an interesting situation where he caught James Fisher Harris high and was put on report, wasn't going to be send binned, uh, but then was based on country conduct charge uh, due to some verbals he shot Jared Sutton's way along the lines <laughs> of, are you fucking serious every fucking time uh, referring to Cummins highlighting or identifying him as a target, basically. Um, so you got much for that. So yeah, 10 minutes in the infusing foul language. Uh and the Panthers were awarded an eight-point try due to the high shot as the player would have scored underneath the... Sorry, scored underneath the post, but it was a foul act in the act of scoring as well. <sighs> uh, he's looking at a fine of $1,800 if he takes an early guilty plea or two and a half grand if he fights the charge but fails. And it's pretty clear what he says on the microphone, so I'm assuming he's going to take the early guilty plea on that one. Yeah, it, it, it is what it is. It the is what it is. Yeah. Campbell Graham cited for dangerous contact, $750 fine. Uh, Toby Rudolph fined three grand with an early guilty plea for a crusher tackle. Uh, Olakatu, same thing. Sean Kepi uh, uh, will be fine unless he has a grade one dangerous throw charge overturned. Um, Aaron Shoup. Faces a $1,500 fine for a grade one dangerous throw on Safford Toa. And yeah, that's pretty much it. Two, oh, Toby Rudolph as well faces a two-match ban or a $3,000 fine based on his plea for a crush tackle as well. So crush tackle is very popular this weekend. All right. I think I said Toby Rudolph twice there, my bad. Injuries. Now, this is probably the biggest story to come out of the weekends. Uh, we already mentioned <laughs> Felt and Palmalolo. So Felt's uh, out for up to six weeks with an MCL tear, uh, which rules him out of state of origin, contention, selection. Um, so yeah, up to six weeks, Palmalolo, lower grade MCL. See him miss round 12, potentially round 13 as well. Uh, Philip Sammy re-aggravated an injury. He's not expecting to play against the Broncos. Sears uh, Talakai failed to finish the match on the weekend with an ankle injury and Teague Wilson was troubled by a leg complaint that got through. 
Fitzgibbon said post-match it was hopeful Talakai's injury was not serious. There's no update on that yet. Charles Nickel Cookstar picked up a hamstring injury while trying to attempt to save a 40-20 attempt. Attempting to save a 40-20 attempt. Yeah, it doesn't sound great. Uh, the Bunnies lost to Vitus to Tola and Tane Milne to failed head injury assessments, which I believe Jason Dimitri was not pleased about with regards to Tane Milne saying there's nothing wrong with him in the press conference. Anyway, I'll leave that up to Dimitri. Uh, Tom Dravojevic has had scans taken on his dislocated shoulder and it will require surgery with a recovery period of five to five and a half months. So you couldn't have done this in six weeks' time. For fuck's sake. Uh, out for the season. Um, he was literally diving on a loose ball that had come from the opponent's mistake. It's so disappointing because Preferably he's just... could have kicked it out, but he's just yeah, he, all over the ball. He, he, mm. He's the perfect representation of what an NRL player should be. He's, he's humble, he's awesome, and he's just I, I just want to see him out in the field for like a really long time. Yeah. I'm not just saying that for New South Wales. I'm just saying that for football. Like he needs to be on the field. He's such. A, he's, is he yeah. one of the very few manly players that is not unanimously like hated outside of manly? Oh, 100 percent. And you guys aren't hated anymore. That was the early nineties bullshit. Oh no, no, it, it's yeah. Well, I've got students who try to give it to me, but. Oh, bull- just- one of my students is a Bulldogs fan and she got into me after we got like pasted by um could have been anyone and it was a- she's a Bulldogs fan and then it's the same weekend that they won and uh, I think they moved from 16th to 15th and she tried to rip me I went oi I just got to keep an eye on you so you don't get altitude sickness for being so high up the ladder she's like but we're 15th yeah, look, I was hey- like yeah that's my point in- when the silver tails bullshit was running around which you know yeah, I know that bit. I think he would hate it. No, no one actually hates them, man. Like, there's a natural hate for an opposing team, but as you you are right. Even if he's got the ball in his hand, you can't hate him. <laughs> you just can't. You just, it's probably the very wary of Menzies. Well, you, you hate his ability when he's playing against you, but you just like he's one of those folks. Every time he gets the ball, you're like, oh fuck! But cool, what is going to happen here? Yes. Uh, I wouldn't say it was going to be considered, but Bradman Bess, uh, another outside back for Oof. could have been uh, dislocated elbow uh, in the loss to the Broncos. Not good. Uh, Warriors. That was horrible. Yes. Adam Fenua Blake was forced on the field with a foot injury late in the match in their game. Uh, we know Adam Reynolds was lost pregame to a groin injury. Not 100% sure of playing this week yet. Uh, that's pretty much it. Oh, Jacob Little uh, lost to a head knock uh, in Friday night's win. Is there, has there been a game where a West Tigers dummy half has not been injured? Because between Jake Simpkin <laughs> and Jacob Little, they have to be the most injured dummy half. They just keep swapping out, don't they? Every but, yeah. time one of them gets injured, they can't play the next week. The other guy just rolls in. There's tag team in that shit. Now, should we do the manly discussion now? That I was rolling oh. Jared up. I wasn't rolling him up. I was just like, this is my 100% my personal opinion, which I think my club should do for the rest of the season. And this is 100% coming from um, an American sports point of view, I think. Well, that means it's completely wrong. 
Well, no, they do support a lot better than we do. So I'd say it's... No, they don't because their sports suck balls. No, no, no. They Mine market like it. They run it. Like, oh, oh not okay, run it, okay. but that sort of thing. So... The actual sport, there's so many flaws in their favourite sport. It does my head in. I don't care about American football. I'm just talking about sport in general. No, and but baseball. Baseball is amazing, but ice hockey, basketball. Anyway, sport business there is done a lot better than here. Now, we... I don't know how to put this. We care about our players more, I think, and we get an emotional connection to them a lot more than, I'm not going to say every fan over there, but it's much more accepted there that your best player or your favourite player could be moved on within a season, two seasons, three seasons, whatever. Their sports are all about winning the premiership and anything less than that's a failure and you do whatever you can to win the premiership. You move heaven and earth. Um, loyalty means a lot less, all that sort of stuff. Now, I use some of that thinking when I see teams in Australia. And once I heard the news of Tom Trebojevic being out for the season, to me, that's enough of a reason for Manly to completely shift their focus to next season. A um, couple of things come into play for that. If your team's not at full strength, you're not going to beat Penrith. You're not going to beat Melbourne when they get back to full strength. The gap between those two to the rest when they're both at full strength is too big. Uh, Manly at full strength playing well could give each team a run, in my opinion. Without Trebojevic, they're not going to come close. Now... Manly's premiership window has one, maybe two more seasons. And it all depends on when Cherry Evans retires. Without him there, um, they go into a full rebuild phase till the next halfback's ready, which could be three, four, five seasons. In my opinion, if you've got one season, maybe two, you need to make sure they hit next season running with combinations instead of trying to get them manufactured throughout the season or in pre-season. So if I was in charge of Manly, not the coach, I'm talking further up than that, that gives the coach their orders of who they're picking and they can... There's no, one in the, no one in the Manly, school, Manly hierarchy is telling has the what's what. Yeah, I know, and that's why the sport here is weird. But um, that's why... I wouldn't want a general manager telling me on my coach what to do. Fuck that. No, okay, sorry, I should, could have worded that. Um, it could have been more so our focus is next year's comp now. What we want out of you is develop our squad as best you can between now and the end of the season. Stay competitive, but the bigger agenda is development of our young players. As a Manly fan, I could accept that if the club came out and I wouldn't. They, they'd never say it black and white, but that would be the message they're getting across. So I would definitely shake up the selections next week moving forward to put as many of the combinations I'm expecting to run out in week one next year in a play as possible, which is a weird thought for Australian sport fans because we are all about give it your best shot, work your hardest, put the effort in, all that sort of stuff. And I get that. I still want the players selected to do that. But this is also pro sport. It's not a participation. Hey, you tried really hard. Well done. Um, they're at this level to win the premiership. And unless you've got elite players at the key positions, like I said, you're not going to win it. And once Sherry Evans goes, how long is it going to be till the next halfback comes along at that level? And 
with four and going next year, I give them next year, possibly 2024, and that's it before there's going to be a long rebuild in shape for Manly. So I'd be shaking things up next week. Not making, uh, to me, they're not big decisions. They're just yeah, straightforward next changes. year additions. Huh? Tell, tell the changes. And this is the part I have an issue with. Yeah. So my, there was only one selection that you had an issue with, I think. I'm going to have to scroll back through like two, two days worth no, of stuff. He, and when he, you've got a chat was, between he put the three. Schuster, here we go. Here we he go. Had a, so I'd have Cooler at fullback. All weeks. Doesn't really matter. Um, I do say if Trebojevich is their coolest playing centre, but he knows fullback. Just put in there for the rest of the year. But you can put weeks there. Depends who you want to put at five back. Uh, Garrick and Saab on the wings because they're both signed and they're both young enough still. I'd have Tui Palotu in one centre. It doesn't matter who you put in the other centre because I don't want either of them there next year. Parker may be there. Walker won't be. So I don't care who you put there. Parker or Walker, it's a throwaway position. Um, if they're hell-bent on Schuster at 5'8", he goes into 5'8". Uh, DCE at halfback. Um, Alawai and Paseca at prop. Olakatu on one second row. It doesn't matter who the other second row is because they won't be the second row next year. Um, so either Ben Draboyevic or Schuster, if you want to play KO Weeks at 5'8", or at fullback. He's pretty versatile between 5'8 and fullback. And Jake Draboyevic, although he's not playing well enough, um, he can go into lock. And then the bench would look something like Lawton, Tuatikava, Tuatika Ave, who hasn't made his debut yet. Um, and then two of Sipley, Davey, or Bullimore. I'd go Bullimore because he's younger. Um, and I think he's got more to offer. So you, you didn't say the nine. Oh, on the nine, I left that one out. Um, I don't think I don't want either of these players here next year. Um, Sorry, that's the wrong way to put it. I want Foran here next year, but he won't be here next year. And I don't believe Croak is good enough to be a starting NRL dummy half. In an ideal world, Finau will be there next year. But I'd have Foran at dummy half, and you can throw Croker at 14 or out of the squad completely. This, is, what, this is the part I don't agree. I don't agree with a few things where your justifications there. Your, your premise was correct that, you know, if you truly believe your season's over, but you've still got the core group of players, you maybe should start. Yeah, um, playing them in the positions you want them long term. Yeah, and then the next breath you turn around and say, "Cool or a fullback, mate? He's going to be your center for the next ten years. Um, he needs to play center. He's very." I think my I think my reply no. to that one was put him there for the first couple of weeks, um, while weeks. Haha, that's funny. While weeks gets his foot in at NRL level, and nah, then three weeks matter. at fullback. You, you you want you want these guys as much game time, the position they're going to play within your premiership window. And yeah. then you turn around and go, I don't care if he plays fullback. No, I don't care if he plays fullback. Yeah. Cooler plays yeah, fullback. Yeah, but he's got to... Because, and, then, and that's the other part. Center's probably the most hardest position to learn. You're not going to give him any time until you think you're in the premiership window. All right, he's put going him to go off the foot. Doesn't matter. Oh, well, this, this is my point. And then... You turn around and go four and at nine. One, can't handle it. Two, never played there. Three, Has. ruining the best combination in the competition. Doesn't four, matter. Four, will not be able to make 40 tackles in a game. Doesn't have to. <laughs> he does have to. He's got to there. <laughs> he's, 
He's fine. You also didn't listen. It does not matter if we don't win another game for the rest of the season. You can't win the premiership. It doesn't matter if you come second or last. What what you're doing is, traditionally, there's three players in the spine. If you want to throw the justification out, there's four. Go for it. You're not having two of your players, one by injury, fair point. Second one, you're not doing it because you're just going to go a guy in one of the most crucial positions on the field. He's not playing there next year. Well, that's because only played two, NRL level at that level. Because only two of the four will actually be in the spine yeah, next year. Yeah, but Croker will be spots. there next year in contention for the nine. He should be playing there week in, week out. Oh, so if, he's playing all right. If Fienau's there, Croker won't be your, in contention for Your justification nine. means that Ford cannot play next year. Any player who's not signed next year should not be in the 17 in your justification because you aren't looking at this year. You're looking at next year. Okay, put Lawton there. It doesn't bother me. <laughs> Look, it, but that, that's the point. Like, it doesn't bother you, but you're using this season as a stepping stone, as a training option. And you're saying that certain players in certain positions, it's irrelevant where they play, but you're saying in very important positions. Center, fullback, hooker, I'm trying to build a combination between DC and Schuster. That's a combination I care about. The other, the fullback and the dummy half doesn't matter because neither of them will be there in that position next year because it's Trebojevic. Foran's going to give me well, better the, service the out of dummy will. half than Lawton or Croker but, will. But that's my point. You put a makeshift fullback in there, keep Cooler at four, and then f- leave Croker at nine because he will be playing there next year. Okay, put Cooler in centres then, put Weeks at fullback, and then in an ideal world, no, Finau will be playing dummy half because Croker can't even... He won't yeah, but that's the ideal world. We, bo- we both know ideal world doesn't work shit in rugby league. All right, then I'll put Lawton at dummy half because he's still better than Croker. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but it's, it's just... I, don't, I, I, I like the premise of what you're saying to train. I don't like what the way the, you justify the it only, the only the, partnership the, in the spine that can be built this season going into next year is DCE and Schuster. Who's going to well, give me the best look, service out of dummy half for and well, he's got a better pass. I don't care about you if don't he makes know 40 if he tackles. Has a better half. So you don't know if he has a better pass out of dummy half. You honestly don't know that. It's passing the ball off the ground. Foreign's one of the best passes in the and, league. He'll be and, fine. And, and, and that's one of the funniest things about the NRL. Only hookers can do it in rugby league. Like we, we, we talked about this about three weeks, four, a month ago as well. It's, it's amazing to me that a lot of players in the NRL do not, they, they still pick the ball up and then pass it at a dummy half. You even compared to union players, they can all do it off the ruck. League players can't. How do you know Fora can pass in dummy half? He's a 5'8. He's passing his whole life. They can get the ball on the run to their chest. I'll put it another way. If Croker can do it, Foran can do it. There you go. Um, <laughs> and he doesn't, is, have, to make, he doesn't just... have to make 40 tackles a game because, again, I'm putting him there so he gives me service for my attack. No. I don't care what he does in defense. doesn't bother me. Oh, there goes your middle just weak and ripped apart because you've got not very... Don't only care. Got... Did not care in the slightest. And, I said, coming last yeah, is the same so you, as coming I, I, second. I, like I said, I, I like your premise. I just don't like your output. How you I, put, how you, your execution, the, sorry. The only, reason, the only reason I wouldn't put weeks there starting this week would be because of how many other changes you're already putting in place. 
easing, like putting someone in a first grade to give them experience is one thing. It's round 11. We've got 13 rounds left. Um, putting them in cold in a completely disrupted lineup is a different thing. If I put him, say, at the 14 for two weeks, get him used to the speed, then shift him to fullback, put Cooler back to centre, because I know Cooler can handle that. Um, Cooler's played, what, six games at centre? He's already the club's best centre. Um, he'll be able to shift yeah, well, back. What, 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 what I would do is I would put Walker at fullback in your justification. Sure. Cooler at centre. Weeks cool. at nine. No. He, he, he's, he's a... Didn't you say he's a 5'8", should be able to do it? Yeah, yeah, but a 5'8", he's defense, in the build like. of like a um, a Jerome Lewis sort of 5'8", that, that slim, sort of fast, agile. Hey, you, you of... just said you don't care what happens defensively. You just want some good service and you're getting... You're, all you want is experience the weeks. That's... That's, that's your, just that's a low dog you, comment. That's just taking it in, out of context, Jared. No, and then you put Walker at fullback because he won't be there, but he's got that experience to do it. Cooler yeah. at center with all with the young other cool. young fella, Tua Pilotto. Saab and as you said, Garrick on the wings. Yeah. Closest thing to the back line you can get. Foreign and Cherry Evans that's in the halves. No, she's through the five A because he's playing no, no, five A next year. No, she's through the second row because nah. no, because. One, he's not ready. Two, he can learn on the field right next to Ford. No, he's not. He's no, been at his entire life. No. <laughs> right now, right now, what you're saying is that you don't want him to have an apprenticeship on the field, one of the best five eights in the last 15 years. And what do you think has been happening for the last two years? Give it another eight months. No. And then weeks at nine, get him on the field with no. Lawton or Croker replacing him. And that's the best way you're going to be able to do it. I, I want that way, Sir and Jerry Evans because... playing three quarters of a season together rather than just having preseason based no, but on that's tutelage the thing. He, he from can foreign. rotate around with foreign. He can learn off foreign. He can stand right next to foreign in the entire game, listen to his calls. That's that's the great thing. And then what can happen on top of that, if you really rate weeks at six, you can put him at six and choose to can play, still play second row. Okay, I'd prefer that than four and at five eight. So if you put weeks at five eight and Schuster at second row for the rest of this year, fine. But Kelmer Tulagi's <laughs> playing there next year, so it's not going to be Schuster's spot anyway. I'd I'd rather Schuster there. I'd, I'd to be honest, I'd rather him at se- um, second row. To be honest, no, I he, he's only going he's only going to get slower, man. That's that's his issue. He's only going. He's not going to quicken up. That's fine. No, nah, he, he's not. He, he might bulk. He, well, see, the thing is, they've actually got to bulk him down to play six. No, just got to slim down. He puts on. He put on a bit of weight when he was out injured. He'll be fine. He's played five yeah, his entire so, life. He's just learnt second row in a year. Yeah, let, let four and teach you a bit more. Nah, that's good. Um, I'd I'd rather go Owen thirteen for the rest of the year if all these guys got there. Their run because while everyone's trying to get combinations in preseason, we're done and ready to go at the start of next year. Um, and that's with Kelma Tulagi coming in to play second row with Olicar too. Um, I really wish we had a lock to put some pressure on Trebojevic because he's been shit out for like almost a year and a half now. Um, <laughs> against the Broncos, one run for eight meters. Yeah, I, I, I kind of wish there was more clubs that did that and didn't try to pretend like they had a chance each season. We've always been doing it for the last six years, mate. 
Yeah, but they stayed in the same spot. That's the, that's the issue. <laughs> um, yeah, interesting way to look at things. Let's take a second break there and we'll wrap up the five games and the three other results from the weekend. Game one, Thursday night, Knights 12, Broncos 36, despite a 12-all scoreline, I believe, at halftime. Let's have to refresh yeah. my memory. Yeah. Not six all, sorry. Yeah, not 12 all. Jeez. Um, <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah. Um, Broncos deserve all the credit for this game. They smacked us around. Um, In all fairness, it should have been 30 to 12. Why? Cobo try. Not try, sorry. No try. Oh, so we'll get to that in a minute. I actually yeah. want to talk about. Um, the headlines out of this game, despite the referee, was the talk about Selwyn Cobo. Um, he, he was great. His, his catching was awesome. He <laughs> ripped us apart um, in his kick returns and he scored two tries, three tries, whatever it was. Yeah. One, two, two tries. Yeah, that's right. I, I, three. I, I thought it was great, but the architect of what he did was Katoni Staggs. Well, that's yeah, um, what happens with a center and a wing combination. Yeah. No, but like Alex Johnson, everyone's, pump, everyone's pumping up Cobo, which mm-hmm. you know, Alex his Johnson. sports drives was fantastic. I watched this, Nathan I watched this game. Shut up for a second. Sorry. I watched this game and it was, it was amazing. The, the battle, I was really looking forward to the battle between Bradman Vest and Katoni Staggs. Katoni Staggs shat all over him. Not shocked. Every no, well, every part of the game, and when you think about it, they kind of burst on the scene as these as the same kind of player, where they're they're quick, they're powerful, but and during, through the junior grades, they would have sort of ran over people. Yeah. Will, um, but the difference is Katoni Stag's development has peaked. Uh, not peaked, no, not even, sorry, peaked's the wrong word. It has increased. He, he's improved. Yeah. Learned the game. Brad Best is still trying to run over people. Yeah. Um, you know, as a center, you need to know when to pass, when to run, when to palm, um, when to take the tackle, and when to run over people, when to use finesse. There's a few moments in this game where Brad Best actually got held over, held up over the line, I think twice minimum, might have been three times over the line. There's one of those moments where all we had to do, he dragged everything, did everything right pop it off to Edric Lee and Edric Lee would have put the yeah. ball down, try right there. Whereas Katoni Staggs definitely didn't get the headlines that Selwyn Cobbo did, but he he done everything opposite to Brabham Best where he knew what to do in every situation, which Brabham Best is not even close to ready to do that yet. Like he's got, you know, give him, he's got some flashes of brilliance and He's very powerful, young, such a young young age. But like, I, I was really looking forward to it. This battle, Tony Staggs is so far ahead of in his development that probably the best right now. And I hate to knock a guy who severely fucked up his arm in that dislocation. Yeah. Like that was filthy. But unfortunately. He needs to learn a lot more if he oh, wants to contend with like it was it was scarily 
scary bad to start difference in this game. Um, I'm, I'm then, not surprised in that, and I don't, I wouldn't be surprised if that gap never closes. It doesn't. No, close. like possibly, like le- legitimate chance it does. But yeah, he, it, it was a big difference. Okay, so. And I think, I think you're underselling wingers here because Alex Johnson's made an entire career of doing nothing but catching and scoring tries. <laughs> uh, he's never going to run over people. He hardly steps inside. Oh, look, he's not he's, great under the high ball. You've got to be able to do that. And the, the finishes of wingers these days, it's, it's mm-hmm. incredible. He started, um, I, he started his career pretty well. Um, Anthony Milford really showed why Broncos fans got frustrated at him. Because he was really good in that first half, mm-hmm. did nothing in the second half, and it led to that intercept try of Herbie Farnsworth in the mm-hmm. 79th minute. <laughs> it was really bad. It was um, when he had a year off almost. Oh, no. no he, but it was what he was doing. Like, he was really, really damaging in the first half. Like, he was – I, I was impressed. Yeah. It didn't come out and do it in the second half. So, the dramas in this game. So, I watched so, the Graham Annesley – explanation. We'll talk about the Selwyn Cobo try first. That was awarded a try. Graham's Annesley, Graham Annesley's justification was that who who did the... It was Jordan Rickey. He didn't call him a lead runner because um, he was still in the position where he could have caught the ball uh, from near the ruck, uh, which is cool because he was obviously doing a, a lead a distraction run. The conversation was around the fact that the ball was caught on his inside shoulder and passed before he'd run completely behind. What about eight foot shoulders too? Um, And that's why they didn't call it an obstruction. To me, it was an obstruction. It was a shed, but an obstruction. Now, I'm all for rest making a call. I'm all for rest sticking by that call. What I'm not here for is when you slow the game down that much frame by frame and still get it wrong. That's just not doing your job. It's 100% easier being in the bunk than it is on the field because you can watch it at your speed, whatever speed you want, from whatever angle you want. And the angles that were released aren't always the same angles we see on TV. We'll talk about that when we get to Dan Gagai grounding. But he was behind Jordan Ricky when he passed the ball, which meant he caught it on the inside and was behind him when he passed it. It's a shepherd. That's a shepherd. Yeah, 100 look, times out of look, 100. There's, there's a few points I want to make about this one. Um, Adam O'Brien had the right thing to say when he said, if it was 10 metres out from the trial line, That's you pass try. the trial line, it's no try. What? 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 All right. So I'm, I'm pretty pro referee, pro bunker. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I, you know, I, I, I don't like bagging out of referees because they, they, you've heard yeah. me say, fuck it, doesn't matter. But my point of what annoyed me the most about this one was that two weeks ago, Adam and Wall were blowing up about a, a shepherd rule, an obstruction rule that got done because the player who obstructed had literally nothing to do with the game, nothing to do with the thing. Mm. And it should, and because that of that, was the, it was, um, yeah, I, I look, can't remember which one it was. It was about 50 a weekend. Yeah, um, that was the one right and on I was the like, you know what? where he turned himself you know in what? and actually Absol- made the tackle. Well, 
Yeah, one of you said it was very inconsistent. I'm like, you know what? The instruction rule this year has been very consistent. They've been black mm-hmm. and white, anything like this, yeah. they're turning out. Very consistent until this moment. Yeah. Um, until this moment where to every other game, like if you're Broncos fans, Newcastle fans, fucking Manly yeah. fans who hate Newcastle fans, fucking everyone who hates Newcastle and we're going for Broncos like, yeah, you know what? As soon as that referee put his hand up, this is going to be an obstruction. Yeah. Here we go. Bottom line is, I actually called it a try when I first saw it, but my words were, all year that's been an obstruction. It's going to be an obstruction. I was like, you know what? I didn't have a problem with it. Tony Stavis looked brilliant in it. Um, I've seen a lot worse things get away with. To me, it was black and white. So no try because he put the ball on the inside exactly. and ran and behind was, the player. It's a, it's it a was definitely a no try. Shepherd. I'm definitely not going to blame the result on it because we did miss 45. Oh, yeah, no, it had nothing to do with the result. But, but it was 14-12 at the time, so it was a turning event. Reality of it is Newcastle led in too many tries after that, but if they got that penalty, which me personally and a lot of people agree with, they should have got that penalty. Newcastle were 30 metres out, 14-12 behind attacking Broncos' line. Yeah, on the up, they look very positive at that moment, and then it's completely deflated. Um, and what what annoyed me probably the most is I've, as I said, I've backed the refs, I've backed the bunker the entire time, and put 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 everything aside as you know me as a Newcastle fan. I was like, we're sitting there this time, going, "Where's where is it this time? Like, what? Why are you changing the rule this time with some?" half centimetre justification that he passed it before he finished going around the back of him. I just didn't understand that part, which annoyed me probably more than anything because, as I said, anyone defending online or on this podcast, yeah. the referees, is just me. That's that's, okay. that's what I do, man. No, I do. Um, they, oh, no, no, but I, 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 probably, I probably... You're the most pro referee, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and... I probably get on and abuse the shit out of people on Facebook and stuff like that when I got a few drinks drinks under my belt. But the hard and fast of it is they got it wrong. And you know what? I sat there after and went, you know what? On eleven o'clock on Monday morning, when Graham Annesley does his thing, he's going to say it was wrong. No, no, he no, no. That's but no, no. I watched his. That's my point. He didn't, and which that confused me more than anything because, like, his justification. Was yeah. he literally said the decision was made that he passed the ball when he was behind the player, not when he was past him. So therefore it was that's an obstruction. Not, and I went, that's, the fact that he started this by saying, I know there are going to be a lot of you out there who believe that it was an obstruction and I can 100% see where you're coming from. The fact that he said that first up, made his justification look even worse because he admitted yeah. the fact that so many people would see it. And, 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 he, and if you have to break it down, he literally broke it down frame by frame. If you have to break it down like that, that's the issue in the game to start with. You shouldn't be well, having to break it down like this, explain it frame by frame for a scoring play. Do, do you know what, do you know what, I, I, I love the irony. And the rest of on the field got it, made a call. I'm not on them. It's the fact the, the, that the guys the, up there got it wrong. It, I love the irony of it because for the last probably 10 years, ever since that lead runner started, 
this instruction mm. rules become gray and grayer. And I love the fact that most people would go, you know what? That's a try in a lot of circumstances five years ago. They would have went, yeah, that's a try, whatever. I can live with that. But since this new black and white rule of obstruction in the last, what, 18 months has come in, and you know what? It took a lot of teething where we've even talked about it on this podcast. A lot of people have blown up about that guy's irrelevant to the game, but unfortunately due to the outside shoulder he ran, hmm. never try. But because we're all like, you know what? Obstruction rules have been very consistently black and white for the last 18 months. Everyone was everyone who would have said five years ago that's probably a try went. Fuck, that's a destruction straight away. So NRL mm. have finally got to a point where everyone's agreeing what an obstruction is and going in the head. That ha- if that happened anywhere else in the field, that would have been a thing. But they went against it. Yeah. <laughs> and no, I was I'm... just like, you finally got, got everyone, it. fans, punters, commentators, players on the same page when it comes to obstruction. And you just like blew it out of the water in about five-minute period. Now, and that part... I did have a giggle at. And I I think it's even the funniest thing is they use the word obstruction in this. To me, it wasn't an obstruction at all. It was an it old was a shepherd. shepherd. And obstructions when you the lead runner imp- has an impact on the defenders. Yeah. He should have run through the whole line. He did run and stop, but he wasn't the issue. It was the ball runner running behind him with the ball. Tell you what though. Tell you it was what, a though. shepherd. It was not an obstruction. There is a difference. Adam O'Brien can he can go 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 as hard as Craig Bellamy, eh? He oh, fucking man. teed off. Okay, next one. I, I have two thoughts on the day game. Dang gay guys. We're gonna have to hurry this up because we're not gonna get through the games. Oh, that's all right. No, I'm getting try no, or no try. Nothing. Well, that's my point. <laughs> this kind of stuff, if it happened on the 40 meter line, Doesn't not gone. Happened on the try line. No, no, hold up. Happened on the 40 meter line, knock on. Happened on the try line. I've seen a lot worse awarded. And that's my point. Like, I've seen a lot, very, very, like, you know, those ones where old mate touches it with his pinky. Yeah. And it goes, and it it goes as a try with literally no control. Old mate, he had the full control, dropped it on the way back. He caught it, like, touched it before it went down. Full pressure. Try for me because I've seen a lot yeah, worse. I'm saying cool. that too. 40 meter line, knock on. Yeah. Um, the funniest thing was in Annalise's press conference, uh, we have other angles that you guys aren't privy to on the TV that sh- clearly showed his hand and ball separated. He didn't show any of them in the press conference. Yeah. No, so, if you're going to shut down controversy, release those angles. Yeah. Um, in the end, though, the better team won. Broncos put on a yeah, Newcastle in the missed. second half. 45 tackles. Yes. Knights had the opportunity to win. They had um, Clune back. They Did Clifford end up playing? I can't remember. No, but he got two... He he played a very good game. Ran over 150 metres on the field and took two a try assist and reserve grade. So, yeah, that was Look for him to be back in next week. Uh, Six in a row for Broncos? Five in a row. Five in a row. They'll get six in a row next. Oh, they may... I didn't tell you I'm going to the game Friday night. Got a free ticket. Uh, Broncos Cowboys. Yeah. We'll talk about. Are we going to Melbourne? Are we going to Redcliffe Newcastle game? Don't know yet. When's that? Round twelve. Saturday. Give us another week. Saturday. Oh, shibby. 
Mm. I don't know. I'll look into it. Um, Tigers beat the Bulldogs 36-22. Yeah. yeah uh, high score for the Bulldogs this year, I believe. Yeah, losing game. Okay, next game. 22-20. Um, so, more controversy in this one. Um, uh, look, Turbo got injured. Parramatta won because of that. Well, I think Parramatta won because there was a Tui Pilotu cover tackle that... Oh, how big was that? I loved it. Uh, did or didn't hit Hayes Perham in the head. It's pretty clear when you watch it on replay that he did make contact with his head. Um, they talked about him slipping over. Now, that was taken in as a mitigating factor for why he wasn't charged for a head-high tackle. Uh, he definitely did hit him in the head. I can't say he didn't. And because he slid over was the reason why he got hit in the head, but he got hit in the head, and that's the, the rule of it. Um, and Parramatta scored from the next set, I think. Now, to back himself up as Ansley does, he brought out the high tackle statistics from this year. So there's been 147 penalties for high tackles. 28 of those 147 have been put on report. Uh, so 119 haven't. Seven of those 28 have been simbins, and 19 out of the 28 plus 735 have um, led to charges. So the really bad ones are getting charged and time spent on the sidelines. The smaller ones like this are getting penalties within the game. Don't actually know why he brought the stats. Oh, I, didn't, I couldn't be able to listen to all the justification. But um, Manly with a better side in this one throughout. Uh, goal kicking ended up being the difference in this one, both teams scoring four tries apiece. Uh, Ruben Garrick, generally a sharp shooter, only getting the two out of the four where uh, Moses got three out of his four, and that ended up being the difference, including that game winner from near enough to the sideline. After Manly was up 12-10 at halftime, it was then a 12-8 second after the Eels. Um, that's two, three losses in a row uh, for Manly as they move out of the top eight and Eels solidify their position uh, where they are. Dragons yeah. 24 over the Warriors 18 in a pretty tight match overall. And Toru Harris getting on the 3-2-1 count in his first game starting since his return from That's ACL like injury. Of a human being that man is. And Ben Hunt with two Dalian points to yeah. bring him up the leaderboard. One point, one point off the thing. Walsh keeping a keen yeah. eye on that. Um, yeah, good on Dragons um, for this one. Cody um, Ramsey. I love the headline, Cody Ramsey. St. George have found their new fullback. And I was oh, like, God. Oh, God. But, yeah, yeah he, he did have a good game. But, sweet Jesus, boys, calm down. Um, uh, Viliami Valia and Zach Lomax both getting doubles. Uh, Sean Johnson had a day out in the first half, definitely. Two try assists and a try, I believe, he ended up with. Uh, and Michael Molo, the younger brother of Francis Molo, picking up his first meat pie in the NRL as well. So, good on you, Michael. Uh, what was... Fucking Wally seemed glad we won, but I wish we could put 80 minutes together. <laughs> um, okay, saying. next game. Surprise of the round. Um, Cowboys 36. Nice. Six to six over Melbourne. 
Was not uh, the surprise of the round. Um, I, I think there's a new um, investment up at Queensland Country Bank Stadium of putting soundproof glass for Craig Bellamy's fucking. Oh man! Oh Jesus! I I I actually didn't know if they're going to call the cops. So he like put him in witness protection for after that game because he was killed. And this, that would have been is this the worst fortnight of coaching Craig Bellamy's had in the NRL. Yeah, that that would have been the shittest, and I mean shittest trip home for all those because you would have just seen the the steam off that bloke's head for the next what forty eight hours, you reckon? And the other um, thing here, Cowboys had two tries disallowed in the last 10 minutes. One from an awesome yeah. try-saving tackle to Xavier Coates, literally held up Murray Talungi, who's one of the biggest wingers in the game. And then the other one was a, oh, what was it? I can't remember, like a slight knock on or something. But, yeah, they had two tries disallowed. So that's when they were rolling. Uh, so this could have been 48-6. Like that, Xavier Coates tackle on Murray Tulungi, he gets that one every 10. So, oh boy. Yeah. Oh boy. Um, great, great news for Cowboys moving in the top four. Very, very strong. Great game next oh. week. Cowboys versus Penrith. Moving on. Penrith, um, and the other the thing, races. just a shout out to the North Queensland fans. That's their largest crowd they've ever had at Country Bank Stadium. Um, and did you notice Todd Payton was smiling with 20 minutes to go? Now, that's yeah. not something coaches usually do against the storm. Um, I was like, oh, is that a bit early? No, he was fine. <laughs> yeah, Penrith. Uh, next game, Penrith showed how strong they were by dominating the Roosters, 32 points to 12. Um, Roosters were very, very looked to their potential, as I said last week, against Para. And you know what, there were flashes of it, but as soon as they started to um, arc up and, you know, showing who they were, Pembroke realised it, shut them down very yep. quickly. It was good. I liked it. It was good by Pembroke. What was this, like 26 nil at one point? Yeah. Um, yeah. Bruce didn't score their first try at the 61st minute, <laughs> and by then Pembroke had already scored hell? four. How the hell do they score 32 points without feeling out and kick out scoring? The 24 fuck? points are up, sorry. 24 nil. Um, that um, next game, 32-12 Canberra over South Sydney. South Sydney have, really have struggling. You, have you noticed that since you said Jerome Lewis is a myth, he scored two doubles in a row? Yeah, he definitely fucking listens to this podcast. I swear to God. <laughs> um, I still maintain the myth. Um 32-12, Canberra over South Sydney. Canberra. Hudson Young, man. Yeah, no, I, I love Hudson Young. Yeah. He's a great player. Um, he's Canberra, some consistency together now. Yeah, finally starting to play. We get, um, big shout-out to big Josh Papalihi scoring on his 250th game. That's so Really, cool. really cool. Um, and I, I'm glad I said it a couple of weeks ago, but Zach Wolford's getting a few props around the around the water coolers as well recently. Um, playing really strong out of being pushing Tom Starling out of um, that nine jersey. Good on him. And, um, yeah, Raiders forward pack is dominating. on yeah, As they should. It's really good to see. Yeah, it's really good to see. And then the last game, 25 oh, Jack Whiten's first game back as well since his suspension. Yeah. And could be the most last poorly year. spoken player in the comp. 
<laughs> Last game, 25-18 Cronulla over Gold Coast. This is a fun game, yeah. man. Yeah, Gold Coast are not going to... Don't even look close to being in the top eight, do they? No, but they... Against the top teams, they... They, they always stand up, but, like, they're just... They give way too so, much in the lead. Like, there, there's, no, there's no point. Even when this was close, there's no point in this game where I'm like, you know what? They're going to win this. I was so confident throughout the whole game that Sharks were going to pull it off. And that try that Nico Hines did to set up Renato Mutale. Yeah, that pass, man. In those blue conditions, trip. too. The blue chip. And, and do you know what? It's, it's something that not a lot of teams do because you have, if you actually look at it from a top angle before they even play happen, they're close to 40 metres back. They're sprinting onto that ball. That yeah. couldn't have happened without a perfect pass from Renato Mulatale, um sprinting on that ball. You look at, you know, the teams that are struggling, Newcastle for one, their back line probably 10 metres back on their, on an angle, whereas, and they're not creating any speed or space through that. Mm-hmm. Where, as I said a million times with this Cronulla team, they're so far back, they run so far onto the ball. I swear, all their preseason was just 40 metre sprints because that's all their back line does in the opposing team's 50. And uh, it works yeah. for them. It works so well for them. It's amazing. I love it. It couldn't also be the reason why their attack does look clunky at times because starting that deep, your timing has to be smack on. Otherwise, if one person's out, that entire move, and then most of the time your next move is clunky yeah. out of time because everyone has yeah, to reset. When it works for them, one, it gets tries because when Will Kennedy gets back, um, he is that that's his biggest plus. Um, he's catching the ball at speed, yeah. but it looks so damn pretty when they get it right. Like, oh, mate. When he's back, it, Lachlan Miller a, to center. Oh, I mean, Connor Tracy's still playing there. Like, I love Connor Tracy. Lockie Miller Can and you, Jesse Ramey into center. What about Taylor Kai? Back in the second row. Oof, Jesus. You know he played New South Wales this year, mate. Ooh. I mean, four weeks <laughs> of doing nothing, too. Um, Lockie Miller, I'm, I'm, I'm you, reckon... you're, you're bent over presenting every party you a couple of weeks ago for Talakai. Yeah. And how do you like because he hasn't been doing he hasn't been the same player? Uh, whether he's expecting it to come to him now because he's had some success, but the other thing is he hasn't been given the space from the inside as he was in the first few rounds either because Sharks haven't been moving forward through the middle. Uh, Lockie Miller must have thought he was back in rugby sevens days when he caught the ball. Uh, instead of for his try, because there was no one in front of him, and he ran what sixty meters to score. Literally looking around, going, "Isn't there meant to be a fullback somewhere here?" And um, the eighteen twenty-five makes it look close. Jared Wallace got a double. Uh, and I was I was throwing shade at him about twenty three hours before too. You can't expect Jared Wallace to score a double every week. He scored three tries now in the last two weeks. Did you hear uh, old mate put uh, $250 on him first try scorer? Really? Look at that. Yep. And he won uh, $25 grand out of it. That's 10. He's paying 100 bucks. 111 No way. He hasn't scored a try in like 16 months. No, he scored last week. Yeah, either way. That's what I mean. Either like, way. They're saying he's got to revoke his oh, I'll, I'll, I'll bring it up. membership. I'll a, bring it yeah, up. Alex Wallace played 100 games, no tries. Joe Wallace gets three in two weeks. So he's got to hand his uh, front row 
membership back in. Uh, yeah, cool. That wraps it up. So if we have a look at the ladder, uh, one week off a third of the way through the season, basically. Uh, Penrith have a four-point lead at the top, courtesy of the Storms two losing weeks in a row. Uh, so 10 wins, one loss for 20 points. Storm and Cowboys uh, both have eight wins and three losses. Storm ahead by about 20, well, exactly 23 on four and against. Uh, Penrith yeah, and Cowboys go. come up against each other next week. Um, I've already he said. Put, there you go. He put $250 going at 111.77 for first try scorer. Well, there you go. And, right. and Jared Wallace, Jared, Jared Wallace found it and he retweeted it. Old mate doing it. That's brilliant. Imagine what it would have been for multiple tries. Crazy. <laughs> uh, Sharks, Broncos, and Eels. Uh, 14.7 wins, four losses. Roosters, six and five uh, on 12, ahead of four teams on 10. Rabbitohs round out the eight. Then Raiders, Seals, Dragons, all on 10 points, five wins, six losses. Warriors on eight. Titans, Tigers, Knights on six, and Bulldogs on four points. Um, yeah. We will be back at you guys ooh, Thursday morning uh, for our round 12 preview show. And I'll give you updated news on tickets for the weekend and any news on whether we'll be going down for the Knights Warriors games on the Saturday as well. Until then, catch you next time. See you guys. Thank you for tuning in to Six Again. Connect with the show on Twitter, Instagram, and the Six Again website. All links via the show's bio.